welcome to the weekly podcast of Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Rick Beeman, chaplain at the Heritage Retirement Home in San Francisco and a member of Epworth United Methodist Church, spoke on Sunday, June 20th, 2010. His sermon was titled, Who Are You Expecting? Even Our Worst Enemy Has a Valuable Lesson for Us. The lectionary reading is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15, and Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. I grew up in an, in an itinerant minister's household. That is, my father was a Methodist minister, and we moved every two years, so that by the time I was 21, I had moved 16 times. Following a string of small-town churches Um, from Chicago to two towns in South Dakota to a town in upstate New York, we ended up in Seattle, where Dad became the public relations director for the Methodist Church of the Pacific Northwest Annual Conference under Bishop um, Everett Palmer. And if you want to know about Bishop Palmer, you can ask Shan McSpadden. There, we marched in 1962 for fair housing. And the Beeman family, I was eight, my brother was six, and my sister was four, carrying placards saying, the Beemans believe in fair housing. My father was a lobbyist for the church in in Olympia, and he even led several civil rights marches on the Capitol. For some reason, in his activism, my mother thought it was a good idea to listen to ministers like Carl McIntyre on the radio with the 20th Century Reformation Hour, and Oral Roberts as they would rail against the National Council of Churches, and at times the local pastor would name my father by name and refer to him as an instrument of the devil. My sense of Christianity was challenged by these men. As such, I began to define my spirituality, rather I would call it my spirituality, I couldn't call it religion or faith, as what I am not. I am not a capital C Christian. I don't believe in miracles. The miracle of loaves and fishes I once preached was the example of sharing, that people actually did have food, but they didn't have the ability or the readiness to pull it out and share it among those that did not have it. I actually used a joke uh, that came from Cheech and Chong at one point, uh, where They had interviewed one of the miracle participants and asked them about this man, Jesus, and he said, I don't know how he did it, man, but he was the thinnest slicer I ever saw. (laughs) After Dad returned to the local pastorate, he took challenging, struggling churches churches that should have had more life than they had. On two occasions, he was replacing ministers with evangelical and charismatic tendencies that had reduced their congregations to a handful of followers. One such church was First United Methodist in Olympia, Washington. We were greeted by signs when we came into the sanctuary and on the pulpit that said, expect a miracle. You can imagine my discomfort. Jesus was not my best friend. Jesus, or the divine, comes to us in different ways, in ways that we can never conceive. And I was reminded by this by a headline about uh, a month and a half ago, where Lord Jesus Christ, his real name, was hit by a car in Northampton, Massachusetts. 
Fortunately, he survived, and the woman who was petrified after having hit the Lord Jesus Christ was praying for and received, ultimately, forgiveness. I was reminded that this was not my first encounter with Jesus Christ. In fact, in Jesus Christ, I had met earlier in my days at UCLA. Now, I need to stop here and say that Odette and Jim and I have been kind of like ships passing in the night. So I was at Westwood United Methodist Church and at UCLA long before Odette was ever there. But in between, uh, Jim's associate pastorate at Westwood and then his return as senior pastor at Westwood. At Westwood, in the community, there were several homeless people among this very affluent community, one of whom was Jesus Christ, and he would let you know at every opportunity that he was, in fact, Jesus Christ. He introduced himself to me as just that, and I, of course, walked on, ignoring him as I would anybody trying to panhandle from me uh, in my preoccupied fashion. One day at church, on Sunday, Bill Hobbs, the pastor, was just about to begin his service. I was sitting down there about where Charlie is. When Jesus Christ paraded down the aisle, not just in homeless garb, but he had a red velvet cape and a hoop crown on his head that said, I am indeed Lord Jesus Christ, though he didn't say anything. He walked all the way down the aisle, and he sat down right where my daughter is, and waited. We all waited. We were all a little concerned. Who was this lunatic, and how dare he interrupt our service as we were worshiping the real Jesus Christ? We all prayed he wouldn't make a scene. We sat silently in fear, uncomfortable, incredulous, irritated, annoyed that the outside world would dare crash in upon our worship celebration. Eventually, two ushers came forward and spoke softly and ushered Jesus out of the sanctuary. <laughs> as Jesus moved down the aisle, it was as if he were shaking the dust from his feet. I don't remember the resumption of the service because Jesus had left the building. And that's how it felt. Jesus had left the building. And we were left there sitting, experiencing the irony of having ushered out one of the least of these from our midst, sitting bathed in our own hypocrisy. The entire episode may have lasted three minutes and the rest of my life. When Jesus crashed our worship, he was not what we were expecting. So we claimed him to be a false Jesus and removed him from our presence. I found myself asking over and over and over again ever since that day, what should I have done? You may recall when Benny Liu preached here a few months ago and we read the scripture about the wedding banquet as a description of heaven. And I had actually read the scripture at that time, but was informed that the last time that scripture was read, it was read with a comment at the end of it saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe in a heaven where someone gets thrown out for being poorly dressed. It is not the heaven I am expecting. 
And in thinking about that episode on my own, again, repeatedly, I recalled Steed asking a question in class that afternoon about who was the Lord in the parable. I think it is safe to say that we assume the Lord is the giver of the feast. But upon reflection, I think the Lord may have been the, the guest who was inappropriately dressed, thrown out, and beaten. That is how Jesus has been treated. Jesus was saying that heaven can be found in the experience of being kicked in the teeth. That's how the Jesus we paraded out of the aisle might have felt. In saying the last shall be first and the first shall be last, it is clear he knew the body was of little importance as compared to the soul. It is clear he understood his theology would get him killed. In the Jewish tradition, according to the Orthodox Union, and Charlie can check me on this, um, the Messiah in the Jewish tradition is not translated savior. That's a different word. But it, the Messiah is a great political leader, one that could overthrow the world order and in effect bring world to justice and to Judaism politically, even militarily. In addition, the Mashiach, is that correct, Charlie? In tr Jewish tradition is not divine, but human. Among Orthodox Jews, at least, it is my understanding that this tradition remains. Now, I witnessed several similar issues of, if you will, hypocrisy on the other side of the um, political spectrum, if you will. When at the commencement at our seminary at Garrett, someone, and we don't know who, invited as the commencement speaker a pastor the likes of Rick Warren. The minute the word got out, the activists in school began raising protests, drafting petitions, threatening boycotts, or shouting him down during his address. But I have to ask myself, can't Christ be found, at least in part, in a human being like Rick Warren? Jesus ate with sinners, and he listened to Pharisees, even in disagreement. In the Buddhist philosophy, it is taught that everyone, even our worst enemy, has a valuable lesson to teach us that can enrich our lives and open us to new understandings and blessings if we allow it. Jesus demonstrated this time and time again with similar ability. And as I was telling the children today, the experience of being Martin Buber-like and, and understanding an idea that when I'm speaking to you, I should be speaking to thou. And by thou, Martin Buber means the God or the Jesus within you not to the body that's standing there in front of me. The problem is we tend to spend more time objectifying people, sorting people, ignoring people, or deriding people than acknowledging people. I certainly find myself way too often when trying to get a task done to view people as obstacles rather than God or Christ talking to me. And yet when we treat each other as we would treat the divine, as we would treat God, or we would treat Jesus, then the kingdom of heaven is at hand. C.S. Lewis puts it a slightly different way. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. The divine comes to us in different ways, usually not as we might have expected. For Elijah, the divine was not in the fire or the wind nor the earthquake, but in the, in the silence and a still small voice. I've got to tell you, Jesus, or the divine, 
is in this house, in this very congregation, right here, right now. I have experienced it. In choir this week, I wanted, Jerry wanted a preview of this sermon, so I told him what happened, and almost immediately, I think in this church, somebody would have walked up and simply sat next to him. I have to say that was the conclusion that I would have come to. At a church, at the church auction last October, I was sitting with Lindsay Kerr, and Lindsay and I were exchanging conversations. She said, so how long have you been queer? I said, not objectively, but objectionably, but I said, I'm not. And since then, she's reminded me that this church is even so open as to accept single, white, middle-aged, straight guys into the congregation. And so the question remains. Albert Einstein said there are two ways to live. You can live as if nothing is a miracle, or you can live as if everything is a miracle. I now choose the latter, but still the question remains, what are you expecting? Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Upworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Worship services are Sunday at 10 a.m. at 1953 Hopkins Street in Berkeley. Child care is provided during worship. Visit our website at www.epworthberkeley.org. Good morning.